So you were telling me, Diana, about some of your background and about where you grew up. Um, and yes, how far back do you want me to post, Sarah? So just just a bit about where you grew up, first of yes, all. Yes, I grew up in Germany. I grew up in Germany as a, as a child of all my parents. And I, 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 most of that memory of Germany was Berlin, the beautiful city of Berlin, which was a very arty, crafty city. And that's really the background of where I grew up amongst the arts. And then you, did you come back to, to the UK to study? I came back to the UK to um, finish off my schoolwork, uh, to do my hires. And then I went up to Aberdeen to do medicine. And I went through the medical school and then was admitted back to hospital to the asylum in Edinburgh. And that was um, a place where my parents were told that there would be no hope for me. I would never, ever believe better. I would never live in the community. I would never marry. I would never have a job. And I went on to prove absolutely that they were wrong in every single count because I did every single one of them. I was married for 42 years. I, um, I lived a life. I, I became a nursing auxiliary in the respiratory units and we traced up my interest in medicine. And I became the most... Um, Coveted member of the team when it came to um, the medical team because there was a nursing auxiliary who had the knowledge of a medic. And um, it was quite a unique um, experience to be because I had been the first person um, that they knew of in the whole Edinburgh who'd held down the job with schizophrenia. I know it's schizophrenia. Well, I remember when I was in the ward. Um, there was nothing for us to do, and there was an old record player, and I got a hold of a lot of records, and they were all of my particular events, my lovely, my beloved classical records. So I played them incessantly, and I used to walk up and down, up and down to my music on my record, and I was known to be safe when I did that, so the nursing staff didn't have to look after me so much. I got quite a bit of independence with my music and I loved my music. It was a way out for me, away from my mental health problems. And I relate to my music very well. That's really interesting, Diana, how you you felt, you know, you found that and it was a way of managing your your condition. Do you feel that that... Yes, my, my, my music... Um, also came into my synesthesia. So not only did I get a, a, a related feeling of elation from the sound of the music, but also from the texture and the feel and, and the, the colour of it, because it's colours, it was a colour for me. And synesthesia played a large part in um, how I could extricate myself from my situation. And um, my psychosis um, was helped by the fact that I could extricate myself from a situation by having all the sound and texture and feel and color that I could relate to in another life and another plane. It was quite interesting the way I could do it. It sounds amazingly interesting, Diana. And 
so you you felt that 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 came through the music were you able to translate that in any other way the th the the synesthesia and the textures and the colors were you able to no because i was so confined to just having music music as, a, as an element i didn't have a source to paint i didn't have a source to paper i didn't have a source to to um even singing although i would come away to myself but it was a very very limited situation i was in because i was in one room and and, and really it wasn't uh, ideal in those days because in our day we didn't get much occupational therapy we didn't get much um stimulation so Absolutely. And do you feel that that has helped you cope with your condition? Yes, all the way through it has. Because, um, well, I think there was one situation where it turned on me, and that was when I went to the, to the Albert Hall with my father, and I was being taken out as a sort of treat from hospital. I had been in the hospital for about six years, so this was a very, very express treat. And um, I was down in London, and Dad was given the job of taking me to the, to the, to the Albert Hall for a concert where they had the 1812 overture. And of course, as I sat listening to it, I became overwhelmed by the audience and all the people. It was just too much for me. And I then related to the music turning in on me. And with the banging of the cannon, I thought they were actually firing at me. So my father really had to prevent me from, from doing myself an injury and get me out of the, of the Albert Hall as quickly as he could. And unfortunately, in those days, the Albert Hall was locked once the concert was in progress. And there were no people at the doors during the period of time that the music was in progression. So he had, dad had a terrible job getting me out. But it was a thing that meant that I was never again taken to a concert, a live concert, never again. And it's only recently with Artling in Edinburgh that I've been going to concerts again. And how does that feel? It's wonderful to go to concerts. It's wonderful to be part of live music. It's, it's wonderful to, to feel the vibration of the double basses and the cellos and, and, and just to, to get that resonance come around with the colour and the texture and everything else. It's just wonderful. But I, I'm so much part of it. It's just a huge part of sensation for me. It does. It sounds amazing, Diana. Uh, and that's a great, I, I reckon that's the gift I have of being able to extricate myself from other things through this gift of, of my music and my synesthesia. I just feel that um, I was given the opportunity to learn music and to be part of music and to learn the, the, the different notations of music and the, and the, 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 the ways that it's written. And that allowed me the basis of my knowledge 
musician lover of music. And my grandfather was a great lover of music, and grandfather was also a doctor. So he used his music when he was in his um, practice to, um, to um, just express himself. And when I was at medical school, I would bang away at that, the, the um, little grand piano in the uh, in Hall's residence when I was um, dealing with the quite difficult stuff to learn. And it was a wonderful de-stressor, so it came right through my life. It sounds very powerful, Diana. Yeah. Is it? So that was music. That was music. But um, that was my own personal experience. And so it was far more a musical experience than it was an artistic one. Although the artistic part was there because I had the colour and I had the swirls and the walls and, 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 the, and the vortexes of music coming in on me. Um, it was it was over it was overwhelming it, and it overwhelmed me. It it well it well, how can I explain it? It it completely uh, covered covered me over. It it it, it, it oh what's the word when I'm covered in water? It envelops me. It envelops me. That music. an incredible description Diana I feel like I can understand a lot better from your description like that would you be able to think of a particular um, composer or particular piece of music and and the the kind of images that you you might get from that are you able to do that yes um, for example Greek's piano concerto Greek's piano concerto the opening is very, very grand, very, very grand. And the grandness is all of a sudden I've got this steep side of the Norwegian mountains going right down into the fjord at um, bottoms of the lake. So that the and that that is very, very, very much um, um relates to me the depth and heights of the of of the shape of the land around uh, Norway. So I actually went for a trip to the place that they were, that Breed was writing about. Breed was a Norwegian composer and he was the father of uh, Norwegian music, classical music. And so later on in his music, he had a very, very beautiful lyrical piece. And that lyrical piece um, was beautiful grays and purples, pale, pale purples, pale grays and blues. And they, they, I don't know if you've seen any of the adverts of making chocolate, hot chocolate, and it's swirling into a, into a swirl in the cup. And that was the swirling of these colors that I was absorbed into and this beautiful, beautiful, lyrical music was being given out. But it wasn't just that it was, these are colder colours, these are cold colours, but 
music was warm. And so it was a juxtaposition of um, cooler colors with a depth of texture that was warm. So I confused my issue in that, I always reckon, was my schizophrenic um, difficulty. I, I confused the issue. So my schizophrenia um, did, to a certain extent, confuse me a bit. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that, Diana. Do you, have you been involved with other arts-based projects at all? Yes, yes, I have. I was involved with um, dealing with the SMAP, um, the Arts and Film Festival, uh, within the urban. I was the patient representative on the group that, that arranged for that. Um, the, uh, the Arts and Film Festival in Edinburgh, and um, I also had a much greater input um, physically and um, uh, characteristically with the 200th anniversary of the Royal Edinburgh Hospital and um, the, the work that Mark Dion, a wonderful um, exhibition curator, uh, did for the Royal Edinburgh Hospital at the Talbot Vice Gallery in Edinburgh in 2013. It was the 200th anniversary of the Royal Edinburgh Hospital. And uh, because it was such an eminent hospital, there was a very, very big um, sort of remembrance of this anniversary. And I contributed to the different parts of the years of, of what happened within the wards, because I go back to the 1950s, and before that, we lived in a house, my family, just at the foot of the hill from the, from the asylum. So my friends were the mental health patients, so I related very, very, very much to what was going on in the hospital, even as a young child. And in those days, um, although the grounds of the, of the Great Asylum were limited to the use of those who were inside it, but some of us from outside were allowed in if we were local, and we were allowed to stay in the grounds. So I, I reckon that these grounds belonged to me as well. And then later on, um, oh, I, I'm digressing here because I'm going on to tell you that um, later on I worked as a medical student in the hospital and then I became a patient in the hospital for about 10 years. So, um, you know, my, my experience with the hospitals goes a long way, but my experience, therefore, with the Royal Edinburgh Hospital was huge. So I was used quite a bit within this um, anniversary experience, and they used my experience of looking after a small child, a baby, when I was a new patient in the, in the uh, first ward I was admitted to. I was given a baby to look after as my occupational therapy, something that would never happen nowadays. And a book was written around it by um, a lady called Nicola Funk. 
Interesting, Diana. Thank you for that. Can I ask you a little bit about um, what you feel the role of the arts and mental health in tackling the mental health stigma? Have you got? It's thought? interesting. Yes, it's interesting because I think with the with the big exhibitions we're now putting on of the mental health artwork and art uh, art um, film film in the, in, in, the, in the community and um, artistic work in the community. This is a huge way to contribute to tackling the stigma because one of the things I remember absolutely particularly was a few years ago when I was at a big exhibition at Summer Hall and they had the artwork up and I remember quite an evidence a member of the public saying, Oh my goodness, we even they can change. And I thought, well, that goes a long way to say, yes, even they can change. Perhaps even they have names. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, if that's a breakdown in that respect, perhaps we can go further. So, yes, I think the art has, art, art has quite a bit to play in breaking the barriers between those who have the condition and those who do not. But then you break down even further and you think everybody has the condition anyway. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting point, Diana. Thank you. Is there anything else that you'd like to talk about? Any other favourite memories, something that you'd like to, to talk about? Uh, I, I uh, getting back to the music, we used to have relaxation and um, exercises in the hospitals when we were long-term patients. We'd be given once a week exercises and relaxation. And um, they used to have a record player that they would play Jaguar records give us the music to relax and I remember one day the um, red cook there breaking down and the patients were so distressed because they loved their music to relax so I just went up to the piano and I played a whole selection of Chopin and um, it 
and it sorted us out. So forevermore, I was the person who played the piano for the relaxation. Just like interesting as well. It was an interesting little way that it worked out. Yes, that was quite a good memory. And is music still a big part of your life, Diana? I understand that you've not got so much use of your hands now. So, do you... I, I would love to be able to go to concerts, but I've got nobody to take me because I've got a big wheelchair and people have to be trained in the same wheelchair and the nurses can't take me and my friends are too old to take me now. So I, I, I rely on people like Artling and unfortunately, heart-linked people are not always prepared to take the chairs either. Because if you're in a chair, it's quite a responsibility. So um, heart-linked have been a great gift to me because they take me to the, the art exhibitions as well, to the different galleries. In the, the, um, I went recently, well, recently, I think, gosh, it must be a year back now, to the National Portrait Gallery to see one of the big National Portrait exhibitions because I'm very fond of art as well. I'm quite an artist person, although I was very much based on the sciences as my medicine. Um, I'm a general background to love. I kind of embrace many, many subjects, but I do have a creative side to the ethicals in a way. That's my music. And do you still listen to music in the where you are just now? Do you listen to music in your room? I do, I do sometimes, I do sometimes. But I sleep a lot now and um, I have a dreadful thing. I have a television and the television's on the whole time. And I, that, that is to the detriment of me listening to my music. I, I, I distress myself in the fact that I, I'm, I'm a prisoner to the television and I regret when they allowed me, well, not when they allowed me, but they persuaded me to have a television in my room. Because for years I, I, I um, said I wouldn't have one. And it's an easy way to keep a patient quiet, is putting a telly in their room. And that's what I have now. So, yes, I have a television and not music. Although I love music. Mm -hmm. Music still plays a part, actually. I'm telling a lie. I have a mood chart which is taken by the staff and read according to my synesthetic outcomes. Um, they read the color that I'm registering to them and they read on it and translate it into the type of music that I might like. And that's a big thing, with a big, big um, notice in my room which shows the, the, um, the diagram of my mood chart and all the colors that mm -hmm. I relate to. And that has then translated, translated into my music. So that is used, yes, that is used mm -hmm. to, 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 to contain me. That sounds great, Diana. And it, so is that something that's 
done every day, so they'll come and ask you the colours? Not every day. Mm -hmm. not, not every day, but I'm distressed. Okay. But I'm distressed. Okay. Oh, well, I feel up the need, but it's an interesting thing because it was, it was, it was uh, done but with myself and an art therapist who was training with one of the um, clinical psychologists in the Royal Edinburgh. And for the first time in 50 years, I was given clinical psychology to help in my so-called progressive journey with my schizophrenia and my, and my condition now. And um, I've lost my train, I'm sorry. So you were talking about the the mood and the synesthesia and the art therapist that you were working with. Yes. She worked with me and she composed these these dials, these discs, these sort of eye shots of colour and translocated the different ways to deal with me in whatever frame of mind I was and what type of music to perform. And this is to leave the nurses but unfortunately, I don't know if you're aware, but nursing and psychology do not go well together. They don't marry well. They should do because they're all part and parcel of dealing with the same thing. But there's a desperate wall of disillusionment between the two skills and the clinical psychologist and the psychiatrist not really get on very well and therefore the work that each one of them does is not contained within the others event of looking at things and containing it for the patient's good it's a difficult thing to suggest but when it comes down to being the patient you just have to pull this along and take the best of what you can from it mm. to hear that Diana because that really sounds like something that's obviously been very helpful for you in the past and for yeah. you know people to realize that that's something that for you personally can be very effective and very helpful and for them to be yeah. able to understand you and understand your condition as well yeah mm -hmm. well, thank you so much for sharing all your experiences and your knowledge and it's it's um you know i can imagine it's a big thing for you to go back through your life like that and to, it, to talk it, about it, it, it causes me quite a bit of distress going back like that it, it does yeah it's quite tiring yeah it's I, quite... I can imagine it, it would be very tiring for you so thank you so much for for your time. Thank you very much indeed. That's okay, Diana. I hope you have a nice afternoon.